Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. You know, when we were worshiping God earlier, and we were singing the song about another in the fire. I don't know, I, today for the first time, I don't know how many times we've sang that song and I've heard it in times past, but this morning, one of the verses in the song speaks about a space that they can hear in the heavens. In the, well, well, what it would boil down to, I think it said something about the space is thin between this realm and the spirit realm. How many of you know that happens because you are seeking God? Now, the space between the spirit realm and the earthly realm uh, could just be paper thin, and we just don't know it. I don't know how thin it is, if, if it's, but it's a distinction between the two. But, you know, we've been, I've been ministering on the fact that we need to come to a place where we can hear that realm celebrating where we are today. You know, there's a lot of things that we go through in life and as we were singing that this morning, I saw where there's a lot of voices and a lot of noise that goes on on planet Earth. Amen. You don't have to do much but go outside and hear lawnmowers, all kind of things. But there's another sound that's coming from heaven. And can we tune ourselves in to that voice, his voice, to the place where the, it seems like we're hearing more of that because we're, we've got our ear up against the wall or even in the heavens hearing that over all of the confusion and the sounds that we hear on planet Earth. You know, and it's so easy to get lost in between the two, getting tied up with work and things like that, that we're not hearing that voice. And how many of you know that in the day that we're living now, we need to be able to hear that voice? Amen? Last week, go ahead and open with me in your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. We're going to go back there. I'm going to pick up. I know it's 11.05. i got a lot to say and a short time to say it. And uh, I want to reemphasize some things from last week so we can build upon it. The Lord told me that, that we needed to learn uh, how to receive. How to receive in a time where the world doesn't want you to receive. They want to take. Amen? Many of you realize that they want to keep taking from you. Uh, if you watch any of the news, you'll see where it seems like every time you turn around, they want to take something else. Uh, inflation wants to take more of your money. Uh, take, 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 take. And God's saying, I'm, I'm giving, giving, giving. I need you to have faith to receive. Amen? So if you turn over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and I believe it starts in verse uh, 14. It says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. Now Jesus had been on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and now he's coming down. So nine disciples are there that he had left behind uh, when he went up on the mount. And the scribes and the multitudes of people were there. And they were questioning the scribes. Uh, the scribes were questioning the nine disciples. In verse 15, it says, And straightway all the people, when he beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him, being Jesus. And he asked the scribes, What questions... What question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. 
And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer, with you, suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tore him, or tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowing, foaming, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child, and oftentimes he had cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy them. But if thou can doest anything, have compassion on us and help us. Here we have a story where Jesus had gone up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down. The disciples, nine of them, were still there. And the scribes had come upon, come upon the scene and the multitude. And one of the people in the multitude sought out the disciples because they had heard also that his disciples cast out devils in Jesus' name and healed the sick. He had commissioned them to go forth before. And so they had a success rate of 100%. And here it is, they showed up, they, Jesus wasn't there, so they asked the disciples if he would cast out this dumb spirit out of his son. And Jesus asked them, uh, you know, uh, what are you questioning them about? And the reason he was doing that was because they were questioning the disciples about Jesus and whether or not, how come they didn't have faith to cast this devil out? And so forth, you know, things such as that manner. Now, we saw last week where Jesus asked him, says, how long has he been this way? And he says, since he was a child, which gives clue to us that now he's not a child anymore or he's quite older as a child. So it's been some years that passed by. And he says to him, he says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I find that in the day that we're living in, speaking with lots of people over the past many years uh, you know, praying for people, whether they be people from church or people from the world, they ask for mercy. They want a mercy. God, give me some mercy. How many of you know that God wants you to stand on his word first? People that are just asking for mercy, either they don't understand that they can receive by faith what God has made available to us, Instead of just living off a of hoping and a wishing that God will have mercy on me. You see, this guy had gone and taken his child, I'm quite confident, to many people. He'd taken him to the physicians to see if they could help him. The guy's eyes roll back in his head. He's, he's throwing himself on the ground, uh, in the fire, in the water. He's foaming at the mouth, he's gritting his teeth. All kind of things is happening. And any loving father, and this being his... Only son, only child, as Luke's gospel tells us. He took him to the doctor, I'm sure. Can you do anything? And the doctor couldn't do anything. And he probably took him to another doctor. And another doctor couldn't do it. Let me take him to a specialist, somebody that deals with these things. And nobody could do anything. So I'm sure that he took him to the rabbi to see if he would pray for him and him cast him out. Because the... They said that they had exorcists. Jesus said when he was uh, asked by the Pharisees and Sadducees, says, you were told that they made a statement that he cast out the devil by Beelzebub. And he says, well, who do y'all cast him out by? In other words, there was those that were exorcists of the Jewish faith. And he says, well, who do y'all cast him out by? 
So apparently they had cast out demons themselves. And so here it is. They, he says, we need to take him to one of those apparently. So after rabbi, after rabbi, after exorcist and different people, they've all tried and they all have failed. It still has it. The boy still has a dumb spirit. And so here it is. He's heard about Jesus and the success rate Jesus has had. Casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. And so he says, I'm going. So he gets there, but Jesus isn't there. So he asked his disciples to do it, who's also had a 100% success rate. Nowhere does it say that they, never, that they couldn't cast them out. Matter of fact, it says that they healed all that was uh, sick and that they cast out all these devils. That was what the scriptures tell us prior to this time. And so here it is, they couldn't do it. And I wondered, why is it they couldn't do it? What was it that the reason they couldn't? Well, Jesus went on later to explain in that when they asked him in private. And he says, it was because of your unbelief. It was because of unbelief. Now, why would they, um, why would they not believe when they've had a success rate of 100%? That'd almost be like saying, well, all the devils they cast out when they were in the field out there praying for people and casting out devils, none of them ever manifested themselves. And so that, will, that caused him to bring fear. Or maybe it was the father. Now we see in the scriptures here where Jesus asked him as the, they brought him to him. The devil went ahead and began to manifest himself in the body. Jesus is standing next to the Father. The boy is on the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, screaming, hollering, carrying on. How many of you know that would get a lot of people's attention? And so there are people standing around. The Bible says the multitude was standing there watching this scene take place. Instead of Jesus, like most people would have went down there and grabbed a hold of him in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of him or whatever. He just turns to the Father and says, how long has he been acting this way? How long has it been since he's been this way? And the father says, well, he's been this way since he was a child. They're carrying on a conversation as the man's son's rolling around on the ground. Let's get the picture. And I thought, why? Why ask the dad, how long has he been this way? Because if he was that way for 10 years, would it be harder to cast out? Would Jesus' power be limited? Saying, I can't only cast out a demon if he's only been there nine and a half years and before. I can't do a 10-year-old one. No. So why did he ask him? And this is there for us to see. Because we're going to understand why this father responded the way he did. Now, he wanted his son healed. Like I said, he's taken him to many places, I'm quite confident. He took him out there into the, to where they were. Got the disciples, you pray for him. And he says, they couldn't do anything. And he says, if you can do anything, have mercy on us. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus responded and says, thou canst believe. See, he said, if thou can do anything, Jesus said, if you can believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe it. Now, why was Jesus asking this guy if he could believe? If you can believe, was it that, Dad, 
if you can get your faith built up and put it alongside of my faith, we'll probably have enough faith to cast this devil out. That was not the case. Jesus had enough power to cast the devil out regardless. The thing was, is did the Father have enough faith to believe, to receive what Jesus was about to make available? You see, he was already walking in doubt and unbelief. And that's what we are bringing out last week. That the fact that every time he took him somewhere, his experience was failure. 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 He probably went with high hopes when he took him to the doctor. The doctor was going to give him a shot, give him a prescription, send him home like most moms and dads would. Everything's going to be fine. doctor took care of it. But the child didn't get any better. So he takes him to another doctor. Take him to a specialist. But nothing gets better. So he takes him to a, another one and another one. Every time thinking it's going to get better. But the more times he goes and the more times it fails, the more disappointment is there. The more, well, maybe it's not going to happen. I hope it does. I love my son. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to seek out whoever I can. But yet, in their mind is, well, you know what? If, if It may not happen, but I'm going to try. Kind of like people going to get so-and-so to pray for them, and then, you know, before they even have an opportunity to get healed, they're already planning on where they're going to go next because they want it right then, that same second. Are you hearing me? So here we have this man that says, well, he's been this way since a child, but if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if you can believe, because this guy has based everything on that, so I'm sure that when he came to the, disciples he was explaining to the disciples what he needed of what he had need of and that was his son had this devil cast out of him and he said no I just want you to understand we've taken the lot we've taken to the best there is and, and none of them's been able to do it so what do you think that did to the disciples well I'm sure that might have been playing on their minds a little bit well I sure hope we can hoping is not going to get it they needed to know that when they laid hands on him and said, in the name of Jesus, it had to go. It didn't make any difference about whether or not you hope what everybody else has done. What matters is they were going to do it in obedience. But they didn't do it. And he said to them, he says, because of your unbelief, he goes on and talks about this, and he says, he says, this kind goeth out only by prayer. Only by prayer. I know it says in the scripture, and fasting, but the word and fasting was added. The thing about the prayer means a constant communication with the Father. In other words, you're hearing, get your ear right up there to the heavens. The space between this realm and the spirit realm is so close that you hear what the Father says more than you hear the doubt and unbelief that this man was saying, talking about. Are you following me? And the Lord's saying to us all that we need to be at that place where we're hearing. Not be, and our faith is joined in. Not faith for the miracle. Faith to receive the miracle. Faith to receive what God has already done. Not faith to get, go along with God to give him enough power to do it. There is a difference. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember back in the early days when we first came to the Lord, I, knew, I didn't know any of these things. And so I lived my life based on mercy. God have mercy upon us. I knew about mercy. I was raised uh, knowing about mercy. You know, we would say it in the church all the time, his mercy endureth forever. 
And I came to a place in my life where I knew that mercy could do it. But God wants us to get beyond mercy to receiving as a child. You know, Peter has not come to my house ever, or my grandchildren, any of them. They've never come to my church and go up to the refrigerator and say, Papa, have mercy on us, and then open the refrigerator. They've never done that. They don't say anything. They just go over there and open the refrigerator. Why? Because they're children. They're heirs. They, they belong there. They're sons. They just come, get it. It's mine. It's yours. But they've never come to my house before they go in, Lord, have mercy on us. You know? They come and get whatever they want. And the Lord's wanting us to understand that he's made a lot of things available to us. Peace. That passes all of our understanding. You don't have to get it by mercy. You get it because you're his child. Healing. Don't have to get it by mercy. Get it because it's the children's inheritance. It's the children's bread. Your finances. You receive it because you're the son. You inherit all of it. It's because of who you are. Is how you receive. Not based on mercy. As we look through the scriptures, we'll find where people that weren't even part of the children or the, of Israel, they weren't of the family of, of, the, of the children of Israel. They weren't daughters or sons of God. They were pagans. They cried out for mercy. And God gave it to them. But you're not that. As a matter of fact, one scripture, Jesus, on the Sabbath day, brought this woman who had an infirmity for... Uh, for quite some time and he knew and perceived that the scribes and the Pharisees were going to say is he fixing to heal on the Sabbath day he's got six days to work he shouldn't be doing it today he already saw this attitude they had and he brought them up in front just brought her up front and he looked at him and he says ought not this woman a daughter of Abraham be healed on the Sabbath day Ought not this daughter? It shouldn't one of the family be healed on the Sabbath day? I mean, she shouldn't be this way to start with. Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be healed on the Sabbath day? And none of them said anything. And so he just went ahead and healed, him and healed her right there. You see, she should have been whole, but she wasn't. Didn't say why. But he said she should have been whole. Because she was a daughter of Abraham. And it shouldn't have been based on mercy. It should be based on relationship, who she is. And if we're children of God, and we are, then these things are made available, but then why are we lacking? Could it possibly be us? Our ability not to receive, or not having the faith to receive. We know we can, but we're not walking over here where we receive it. Now, to show you all that, let's just stay in the book of uh, Mark. And let's go back a little bit, say, to Mark uh, chapter 5. Let's, let's go there and see what, if that's back far enough.
Well, actually, let's go to uh, Luke 4. Can you put Luke 4 up there? Uh, I'm going to say about verse 17. I'll have to look that up. I want us to see. Um, that was close. Let me just flip over. Yeah, about verse 14. Luke uh, 4.14. Can you do that? And it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit after he'd been in the wilderness, tempted by the devil for 40 days, into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the regions round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He came to his hometown where he grew up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered to him, to him uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah. So uh, here we have Jesus doing what he normally does in Nazareth, his hometown. Everybody there knows this is Jesus. He's done this many times. As it was his custom, he is now up there. He is beginning to read. And he opened the book and he found in the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives to recovery and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it unto the minister and sat down and all the eyes were upon him. Uh, in the synagogue, they were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And in verse 22, it says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's boy? Isn't this Joseph's boy? And he began to talk with them and share with them. And they took him outside of town. And was about to throw him off a cliff. That's what it says. Because he told him, he said, listen. A prophet's not without honor except in his own country. You people look at me as being Joseph's boy. Mary's son. You see my brother's over here. And this is where he, he first came to him. And they were going to throw him off of the cliff. Verse 29 and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereupon it was built that they might cast him down headlong. They were fixing to throw Jesus off a cliff out of his own hometown. His own hometown. Now, some time had passed by. I want to say it's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Let's go there. Mark 6. Some time had gone by. I don't know if it was a year, half a year. Not real sure about that. But here it is. Now Jesus is leaving the place where he was at. He just got through uh, healing some, you know, some people. We're going to go back to that. But it says in verse 1 in chapter 6, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. Came to his own country, being Nazareth. He came back there again. It says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought in his hands? Is not this 
the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and, and Judah and Simeon and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended with him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. Save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled at their unbelief. Now they knew about the miracles. They said that. Who is this guy? Aren't, isn't this Joseph? They couldn't disconnect from the realm of the physical to the realm of the spirit. That this is Jesus, the Messiah. Now, I could understand it to a certain degree. I mean, you, you're raised with him, playing kickball and all this. And, but somewhere down through there, you're hearing the words of God. You're seeing miracles take place by him, him laying hands on people. Dead has been risen. they raised from the dead. Ears open now. Tongues loose where they can speak. Lame people walk. All of these different kinds of miracles that's taking place, devils being cast out, wine uh, made out of water, all kind of things, yet in his own hometown, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty works. See, he could do the same thing there he could do anywhere else, but because of their unbelief, and it's to the point where he marveled at, at their unbelief. My, 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 I've never seen such unbelief. And because of it, it wasn't that he couldn't do the work, they couldn't receive what he could do. Are you hearing me? Could we possibly ever get so familiar with the things of God that we can't receive? That we, oh, I know we can. I know we can, but we don't receive. Could that possibly be happening sometimes in our lives? I believe it does. And we need to shake ourselves up a little bit. And say, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. What am I doing here? What's going on? Why is it that I'm, I'm having a rough time receiving my healing? Why am I having a rough time receiving a financial breakthrough? Why am I having such a rough time maintaining peace in troubled times? I've been through tough times before. Why is it now I'm having a hard time? You follow what I'm saying? Could it possibly be unbelief? In this man's case, with the son... He, it was based out of disappointment. And in this guy, these, these people in his own hometown, it was being too familiar. Now let's back on up in chapter 5, and let's see what happens when people walk into things of God. This is Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. It says in verse 1, And when they came over to the other side of the sea, into the, uh, into the country of the Gadarenes, nope, don't want to go there. Take too long. Let's go to... Verse, same chapter, 21. He's already went over there. He's cast out legion and so forth. Those people didn't, they liked having the devil there more than they did Jesus, so they told him to leave. Something good to look up, but that's the way a lot of people are. They're more familiar and feel better about the fear that they had of demoniac than they were Jesus casting out devils. They said, how about just leaving? So in verse 21 it says, and when Jesus was passed back over again in the ship to the other side, it says, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there come one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. 
And he saw him, and he fell at his feet, and he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And it says, And Jesus went with him. And much people followed and thronged him. This guy came out. We won't go into all the details about Jairus being one of the synagogue and being afraid to that maybe somebody would see him down there talking to Jesus when they were trying to conspire the Pharisees to, to do away with him. He came. He said, look, this is my child. Man, we've done everything. We've took him to doctors. We've done all kind of stuff. I'm taking him. I hear Jesus in the region. I'm going. I'm going down there. And when I get there, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to fall to his feet. And I'm going to ask him if he would come, lay his hands upon my daughter. Notice this. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and shall live. Nowhere does it mention, and Lord, if you please have mercy. And if you can do anything. He didn't do that. He says, I know. He saw something different in, his, in, in faith. He saw something different in his heart. He wasn't looking for mercy. He said, if my Jesus... If this man can come down here and put his hands on my daughter, she will rise up and not die. He knew it, so he did it. He went down there. He didn't sit back at the house and think about it. No, he left his dying daughter, who he knew may not make, might not be living it, you know, when he gets back. He knew that it was the end. It was close. He said, if I could just get down there, if I could just get with Jesus... And get him to come up here and lay his hand on my sick daughter. She will not only live, but she'll be made whole from whatever it was that has made her sick. He knew it. That's faith. He had an image on the inside of himself of seeing Jesus, approaching Jesus, bend, falling down at his feet, kissing his hand, worshiping him. Not caring about well, whoever saw it. And saying, will you come lay hands on my daughter? I see you doing so and her getting up and whole. Jesus says, okay. So he started walking. <coughs> so he came up there and is on his way. Guess what happens? It says here, verse 25, And a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in, pressed him behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall behold. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in him, Himself, that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the middle of this press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples were like, Who touched your clothes? Everybody's touching your clothes. And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before him and told him all the truth. Told him all of these things. Notice what Jesus said, verse 34 and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, say thy faith, hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of this plague. 
Did Jesus have any faith in this woman getting healed? None. He didn't even know about her. He said, daughter, thy faith did this. She had faith to receive. He didn't even know she was sick. But he looked at her and said, hey, this was your faith did this. You had faith to believe that if you could but touch the hem of my garment, you'd be made whole. Grab a hold of this. Now, when we read this, we're thinking, Jay Iris is probably saying, would you please just hurry up and let's go. My daughter's dying. Let's go. We ain't got time for this. But, but let's back up just a little bit. I think this was awesome. Here's this woman. Been to all these doctors time and time again. Apparently at one time she had some money, but now she's gone through all of her money. And the Bible says there that she only got worse. Doctor after doctor. Throwing the money out there week after week. Going this one, going there. Comes to the, being with the family. She was unclean with this issue. But she couldn't be with her kids. She couldn't be with her relatives. She couldn't be with her friends. Got to say unclean, unclean every time she comes around somebody. Twelve years this lady's been doing this. Do you suppose she had disappointments during that twelve years? After going to the doctor, after going to this doctor, and spent all of her money doing so, she had the same situation that this daddy had with his son. But there was a difference. She says, if I could but just touch the hem of his garment, he don't even have to know about it. I'll be made whole. This guy says, if you can do anything, have mercy on us. Are you getting this? We got to have faith to receive from God. Knowing that he loves us, he's made it available to us. And she's like, I'm not going to be denied. I'm going to get this. So she got up there and she touched the hem of his garment. Now this is awesome. Jairus is standing there. She's explaining all of this to Jesus about how, you know, she couldn't go to celebrate with her family and how she'd been sick. And she's telling this big long story, all of her stuff, probably as fast as she could talk. She's excited. She's whole said that she knew immediately that she was whole. Very next sentence. He says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith. Verse 35. And while he yet spake, saying, Thy faith hath made thee whole, there came from the rulers of the synagogue's house certain which said, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the master any further? She died. She died. They brought another picture. He had an image inside of him, a picture of faith that if he could get Jesus to come and lay his hands on her, she'd be whole. He was doing it. Everything was working out just exactly like he saw. And then this woman steps in who had an issue of, of blood for 12 years. And he said to her, Thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus hears these guys coming and saying, Don't bother Jesus no longer. Your daughter's already dead. And as soon as Jesus heard the words, verse 36 was spoken, he turned to Jairus and said, Be not afraid, only believe. Don't you dare let that report take away what I'm about to do. You believe. I know what they said. You heard them right. That's what they said. 
But I'm telling you, you only believe. You believe. And he suffered no man to follow him but Peter, James, and John. And he come to the house where the ruler was uh, of the synagogue and seeth all the wailing and the, and the carrying on. And it was not just some small thing. The Bible says it was greatly, great wailing. They hired professionals to come in and, and cry. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why do you do all of this? The damsel is only asleep. And they laughed at him. They mocked him. And he put them all out. You have to put out all of the doubt and unbelief out of your life. You got to put out the wailers. You got to put out the commentators on the news media. You got to put out some folks if you're going to receive from God. Huh? You're going to have to put out your past disappointments. You're going to have to put out your past failures. You're going to have to quit worrying about, oh, that's just a family member. And then, No, no, no. Put all that out. What did God say? What did Jesus do? Did he die on that cross for me or not? He put them out. He said, you only believe. He's telling Jairus. Now, he had many opportunities to quit. He shows up and they're out there crying. His daughter's dead. I mean, no telling how long it took to get there. He had many opportunities to get a different picture. A different image. He said, don't do it. Stick with what you got. He got in there, put his hands on the daughter and says, I say unto thee, arise and straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was about the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. A great astonishment. Now, we've got two different ones here. We've got the lady who just received her healing. And he says, according to what? Thy faith. So, now Jay Ivers is saying, okay, you told me only believe. It's going to be left up. Do I have faith to receive what Jesus is about to do? Apparently, he did. Amen? And did so. In the midst of all the people. With the physician saying she died. They got, we've already brought the criers in. We, got, you know, we're, we're, we want to do whatever we're going to do. Prepare the body. He's got all of this going on. And he says, No. I'm keeping my eyes on this man, Jesus, here. He told me, only believe that I'm going to do it. Only believe if I have faith to receive. Now, this is just two times. But there's other times in the Scriptures as well. Matter of fact, if you want to have some notes. Uh, well, let's see. Over in Mark's Gospel, matter of fact, chapter 6, verse 53, it says there he cast over to the land of Gennesaret. And drew to the shore in verse 54. And when they come out of the ship straightway they knew him. And they ran from the whole region around about. And carried about in beds. Those that were sick. Where they heard he was. In other words wherever he was at they heard it. Verse 56. And whithersoever he entered into villages. Or cities. Or country. In other words he must have been going to villages. Cities and countries right. They laid sick people in the street. And besought him that they might but touch the, the touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. She started to touch the hem of his garment movement. Now we've got people in villages and cities and in the country, all over the place, 
where when they heard Jesus was coming, just take the sick people out there, set them in the street. When he walks by, if they, and they're in their minds, they're saying, when he goes by, I can see it. I don't know what kind of outfit he's going to have on. I don't know if it's going to be long, short, if it's going to be red, white, green. I don't know, and I don't care. But when he comes by, I'm touching that garment, and I'm going to be made whole. And it says that they were. They had faith to receive. Then he asked, I got faith to receive. The Bible has many stories where he talks to them and he says, thy faith made these whole. He told blind Bartimaeus, thy faith has made thee whole. He told deaf people, it's your faith. Your faith did it. What faith? Faith to what? Faith to receive what he has done. So could it possibly be sometimes our failures or our lack our disappointments is not based on Jesus not having power. We all know he does. Then we say, well, I guess it just wasn't so. Now, maybe it could be that we're just not having faith to receive what he's done. We all know he's all-powerful. He can do it. So do we just throw our hands up and say, well, you know, we're just going to live by mercy? Or do we press in and say, no. I don't care. I will receive. If I'm the only person in the 21st century that's going to be healed, it's going to be me. I'm going to get it. Are we willing to go that far? Or are we just going to make excuses why it doesn't work? Well, you know, it's been done away with. Other people have prayed. You're going to live by your experiences or you're going to live by the Word of God? That's what we've got to come to. Now, I'm going to skip over a whole lot and just jump right over here into where I'd planned on going, which would be um, go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. We're in Mark already, so if, you got your, if you're doing the Bibles, you just flip a few pages. If you've got an iPad, you just swing it by like I'm doing. Okay. All right. Jesus has fed the multitudes now for the second time. Just got through feeding 4,000 men plus women and children. Had 7,000, I mean, seven baskets left over. And so they entered into the ship, verses 10, 8, 10. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came to the parts. Uh, maybe I'm, is that the right place? Nope. Uh, let's see, verse 14, that's where we're going. Verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. That's 13 people going to eat off one loaf. And Jesus says, that's not going to get it. Is that what he was saying? It says there, they'd entered into the boat, had one loaf of bread. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we don't have any bread. And Jesus is now going to correct them. About, look guys, it's not what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm talking about at all. He said, you guys were there. I just fed 5,000 men plus women and children with, with a couple of fishes and a couple of loaves, a couple of pieces of bread. We just fed another and had 12 baskets left over. We just fed 4,000 men plus women and children and had seven baskets. I'm not looking for a loaf of bread. Guys, I'm trying to explain something to you. He said there, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees 
and of Herod and Herodians. Beware of their leaven. You see, the thing about leaven is it permeates throughout the whole loaf. We know that. But did you know that leaven is what was left over from the previous baking? Leaven is something that was left over from the time before, and they take it and they 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 uh, bring it in. What's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, they invoke it and, and mix it in with the the new loaf, and it permeates throughout the whole new loaf. That leaven from yesterday. That's the way it works. Okay, and don't have time to go into all the definitions. May do that another time. But I want you to see where. The experience of yesterday's bread now is put into day's bread. And it permeates through the whole thing. And he was saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the religious people, and of Herod and Herodians. Beware of the religious folks and beware of the government and how they think. You see, God's not interested so much in your thoughts as it is the way you process your thoughts. I'll say that again. He's really more interested in the way you process thoughts than he is what you think. You know, okay, that's a bad thought. I shouldn't be thinking that. But if he can get you over there to where you're, you're, the way you process your thinking, the way you go about thinking. And that's what he was doing with these guys. The guys, beware of the leaven. Pay attention to the way they process thoughts. I want you to see how they do things. But I don't want you to experience what they're doing. I want you to see it from a distance. Don't let this come on you. Now, I said all that because I want you to know that we're living in a day where our government has a lot of things to say, don't they? Huh? They've got a lot to say. And if Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod, should we not beware of the leaven that our government's given us? Huh? Yeah. Beware of the way they think. Beware because they will try to get you to not do what I said, having faith to receive what, according to my word, but become dependent upon them. Are you here? Because for time's sake, I'll just jump in here. Probably, hopefully, I won't get in trouble until I get to where I can explain it better next time. But maybe to stir up enough people to aggravate them enough to where they'll come. We understand as a society today across this whole world the effects, some of the effects that this pandemic has had on our children. We're beginning to understand. We've known now for some time that it's not been good for our children to be locked down in a way and not in school, being going through virtual school. From an education standpoint, we know they're not really getting what they need to get. They don't... The teacher's not talking through the screen. Sit up straight in that chair. Why did you dare come to the TV screen here wearing your jammies and eating a bowl of cereal? Huh? That's virtual school, though. So education-wise, we know they got robbed of a year and a half. We know that. That's an effect that's happened. It's happened, and it's a year and a half. They're not going to get back. But it also set into them a new way of thinking, a new processing of thoughts, a new way of living that they're going to have to overcome a whole year and a half of it. And we look at that and we say it's not good for them. Health-wise, we also know it's not good for them either. 
that they were isolated from their friends. They're not made to be isolated away from everybody else. And now they're saying, health-wise, this was not good. People committed suicide. People began to drink a whole lot and take drugs and do all kinds of things during this pandemic because they were locked down. There was an effect on that. So we see that. Economically, we saw an effect financially because of this pandemic. You know what we have not seen yet? Nobody's really contemplated a whole lot because it's so gradual. What kind of effect has it had on you being locked down? What kind of effect has this had on you wearing a mask? What kind of effect has it had on you? Not financially, not physically, but on what you identify with. And who you identify with. Because see your identity has been stolen. You might have seen people in the store. That you would have walked up to and said hey how you doing. But you couldn't recognize them because they had a mask on. And they didn't come say nothing to you because you had a mask on. They didn't recognize you. I saw the hammocks at Target one time. And didn't recognize them. And when they were leaving. I, I, I've never told them that. They looked at what? That the two boys didn't have masks on, and I looked, I recognized them. And I said, well, they were standing right by me. I didn't even say hi. Well, they didn't say hi back. And they weren't mad at me, and I wasn't mad at them. We just didn't even know each other. Why? Couldn't recognize them. Couldn't identify with them. Church has been locked down. What does God say about the church? He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. What do we do? Lockdown. Some churches still hadn't been able to get back together. And if they could, it was only 10 people. Does it say sing and worship him? Can't do that. Lockdown. Can't worship God. How many of you realize when you're worshiping God, you're telling him how great and wonderful and powerful he is, but you can't do that? Do you think your identity has been robbed? I know it has. I know it has. Yet, what, what's it, how how's this affected us? Could we possibly come to a place where this guy is? Well, Lord, if you, if, you could, if you could do anything, have mercy on us. Where maybe two years ago it was, if I could but touch the hem of his garment. Could a process of time. Now, I want you to know something. And y'all know my, how I feel about it. I mean, Gordon spent a long time on a ventilator. I'm not discrediting the, the, the fact that people died and were sick and so forth. But what effect did it have on you that are healthy sitting here today? Watching on Facebook. What did it do to you? Could it have had an impact on your faith? To receive. Only you know. You're the one that, that, that can answer that. I can't answer it for you. But I guarantee you that since you could not come. And serve your brother or serve your sister and give out of yourself. And that's what church is. I mean, Bob, we talked about this morning. Serve the people by sharing his gifts and talents, his finances and so forth. Ken serving, you know, with ushering and the other ushers and the worship team up here. Everybody giving and doing their part, working in children's church. Doing all the things to make it happen. You couldn't do that. You couldn't give of yourself. So you got robbed. And everybody else got robbed as well. Could we lose our identity in the midst of all that? I know we do. Because we take on a different identity. 
identity of fear. We're going to die. We're going to go broke. China's going to take over. They started out with council culture. The whole thing's about stealing your identity because the devil don't want you to know your identity. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. We started this whole series on, could it be possible that I, my prayers are prayers prayed from a position of temptation, of fear, hoping that God would do it, instead of prayers of faith, knowing that he would. Are you hearing me? We know he can, so the temptation was, what if he don't? I hope he does, I'm afraid, so I'm going to pray and throw my prayer out there and and, and what did it say in James? Let not a double-minded man think he's going to get anything from God. And that's be receiving, wouldn't it? Don't think he's going to receive anything from God. A double-minded man. So we have to stay built up in faith. And how do we do that? By understanding who we are. We're children of the Most High God. We're seated in heavenly places. Amen? We walk up to the refrigerator and we don't yell for mercy. We just open it, Right? Could this pandemic have an effect upon you? I'm sure it does. See, the government didn't want to steal your identity. That was the devil's idea. He wants to steal your identity. Well, they may want to have control and tell you you can't do this and can't do that and all of that. But the bottom line is, is where does the devil fit in on this? Because see, if he can get you to instill your identity, you won't be asking God from a position of a son you'll be begging for help begging for mercy and you won't have faith to receive what he has for you and we got to understand and see this for what it really is and I don't I'm run out of time so as things progress and they're going to the word of the Lord is we haven't seen our last economic problem we haven't seen our last war we haven't seen our last pandemic so when the next one comes up, you'll say, hey, I'm at peace. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly places. I know my heavenly father. I hear my ear is so tuned in to that space there. It's gotten so small between me and heaven. I'm hearing that more than I hear the noise down here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's where we have to be. Because if you've got faith to receive, then you got it. But if you've got faith only in mercy, then what you're doing is you're living like that daddy's like, well, maybe, well, maybe you won't. My experience tells me it's not going to happen. So live according to who you are. You're a child of God. 77 times in the New Testament, it says, in him. That's who we are. Do you realize in Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 28, put that up there, I think it's 28. One of the scriptures that I learned back in 1980. We sang a song according to this. And uh, that's how I remembered it. Singing those songs, you know. Sang a lot of scripture songs. For in him, in Christ, say for in Christ. We what? We live. We move. And we have our being. In him we live. No longer are we dead. In him we're alive. We move, we're able to, to go and do and whatever and receive and everything. Move and we exist. In him we have our being. We exist in Christ. 
For in him we live, we move, and have our being. Not in the government, not in the leaven of the Pharisees, not in the leaven of Herod, but in him. In him. Oh, how the devil wants to get your attention on other stuff. Anything but him. He wants you to identify with the government. He wants you to identify with pandemics and viruses and disease. He wants you to identify with failures and, 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 and economic disasters and stock market crashes. And he wants you to identify with deaths of, of loved ones and all kind of other things. Jesus says, I want you to identify with me. For in me, you live, you move, you exist, you have your being, you have your future, you have your destinies in me. So how do we do this? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We have to position ourselves to hear. And we have to see and recognize the devil has tried his best. Thank God for the technology that we've had with, with, with TV and, and, and Facebook and the different things at our fingertips at any time that we can go and do it. And that's been great. We can only go so far with that. You can't serve from the couch. And I need your gifts. You need mine. They need yours. We need each other's encouraging words. You can't buy them. They're not for sale. The body of Christ needs each other's giftings. That woman with the issue of blood, she wasn't a hindrance to Jay Rivers. She should have been a, a symbol of faith that I'm going to receive. If this woman can receive and she didn't even and he didn't even know about it and she could receive without even asking. And I'm going to receive when he lays my hand, his hand on my now dead daughter. She will get up. I need your confessions of faith. I need to hear your testimonies of what Jesus has done in your life. And what he's done in the midst of a pandemic. You need mine. We need each other. Every head bowed and eye closed. Nobody looking around. I know we're going to have to pick back up with this. This was just the beginning of understanding the days that we live in and what we have to do as believers. God has graced each and every one of us for such a time as this. He's graced us for it. He's graced our children for it. We've got to stand strong. Have faith to receive everything that we have need of. Be strong enough to call each other. Talk to each other. See each other's face. See a smile. See a heart. See a servant's attitude. 
instead of just saying, I'll be praying for you, be able to go over there and help make it happen. We need that. We need it. Lord, I thank you and I declare blessings upon the people today. Lord, make up all of it and put it in them that you've put in me that I wasn't able to get to. Let it be downloaded into them. As they seek your face, as they take the time, as they take the time and be quiet before you, I thank you that you'll begin to impart this in a greater measure in their life. To where it's not just the words that they heard on a Sunday morning, but they heard from heaven. They hear from you. It goes deep down within them. I declare blessings on them today as they leave, blessings on their families. This next week, I declare good good, good, good things, good things this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.